There is so much to know about minerals that I decided to interview a mineral expert on Gesundheit with Jacobus. This Sunday morning, Val Anderson from Mineral Resources International in Ogden, Utah, will be my guest. Val will explain the sources of minerals, the extraction and purification processes, the benefits of different minerals, and safe dosages. Val Anderson will give us an earful, not just about better-known minerals such as calcium, selenium, and manganese, but also about 70 or so trace minerals this Sunday morning from 7 to 10. Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. I'm your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Hey, Chuck, good morning to you. Good morning, Jacobus. It's nice to see your bright and shiny face in this snowy morning. We're talking about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles every Sunday morning from 7 to 10. We are going to talk about minerals today. Very interesting with Val Anderson, something I've never done in all the nine years that I've done the show. So it is good to really hit the minerals. In order to do that, Val Anderson is with me today or by phone from Ogden, Utah. And before we get to him, let me tell you a little bit about the program. We are talking about health healing and healthy lifestyles, uh, be it spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. We talk about Western medicine, the development of Western medicine, as well as uh, natural or alternative medicine, and how these two should be integrated. However, some topics are primarily Western medicine, other topics are more natural, and uh, we appreciate that you listen in every Sunday morning to get updated on some new developments or information you should know. Now, as always, we're not here to treat, diagnose, or cure. We're here to inform, entertain, and educate. And if you need any additional information after the program, by all means, see a physician or specialist of your choice and go on the internet, read books, read periodicals of reputable writers, and become the best educated person you can be, either for yourself or somebody in your family or somebody close to your heart, so that you can share that information because that is what it is. It's just wonderful stuff, well-researched, and then you will be the best educated person you can be. Val Anderson is the youngest of six sons of Hartley and Gay Anderson, the originators of mineral and trace mineral supplements from Utah's Great Salt Lake. He is the executive vice president of Mineral Resources International, Inc., a mineral nutrition business majority owned by the Anderson family. The mission of Mineral Resources International and the Anderson family is to improve global well-being through mineral nutrition. Val has developed various mineral nutrition products targeting health needs and worked closely with some of the world's top doctors and research scientists and has traveled to over 20 countries around the world working towards this mission. Now, as always, I say that the program is all about information and it's not per se about promoting a company or a product. That's not what this is about. However, the history of this company, and Val is going to explain that to us, these people are working with something Mother Nature is providing, 
and they have been able to get it to us in their purest form. And that is something that uh, that we need to know about because uh, you just hear the last hour on the radio talking about swine flu and about uh, the pandemic that they're worried about with that. Last week we talked about Lyme disease, and as far as I'm concerned, that's an absolute pandemic as well. What can we do to build our bodies stronger? What is lacking in our body, what is lacking in our diet that we need to be addressing? And so Mineral Resources International, Inc., you'll find out they have already been involved for 40 years, and they are working for a lot of different companies, but they have also decided to come out with a line of products of their own. And so if you would like to learn more about Mineral Resources International, go to their website. It's mineralresourcesint.com, mineralresourcesint.com. And you can also call them at 800-731-7866, 800-731-7866. Val, I, I have had so much fun talking to you before the program, and I'm looking forward to this interview. Thanks so much for being up early with us, and good morning to you. Good morning to you, Jacobus. Thank you so much for having me today. It's it's absolutely a, a joy, and um, I wanted to let you know, by the way, that uh, my good friend Henry Kriegel in Bozeman uh, wanted to send you his best wishes. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> he is also a host uh, on one of the programs on this radio station. I ran into him yesterday, and he said, uh, oh, I know Val Anderson. Say hi to him. That's a so little bit good. of a blast from the past. I have much respect for Henry. And uh, so, so do I. So it is, uh, it's wonderful to have him over here in this community and always nice to run into him. Well, uh, I already did quite an introduction, and I was thinking maybe you can, you can tell us a little bit about the history. Uh, the information you sent me, it's uh, quite extensive, and, uh, but it is very, it's a very heartwarming story to hear about your father. Well, let's go back to 1967. There was a Dr. George W. Crane, who had a nationally syndicated newspaper column. And at that time, you have to understand the scientific, of, the scientific knowledge of minerals was much less than it is today. And a lot of people were looking at the category of minerals, but, for example, the category of trace minerals in human health, there was very little known on that. Um, we didn't have recommended dietary intakes, that were readily available, or, you know, the RDAs that have been around for a long time, those didn't really exist back in 1967, 68, 69, and people were just eating food and getting by the best they could. Mm. And at that time, Dr. George W. Crane, in his newspaper column, would write on a pretty regular basis about how he believed that most of the degenerative diseases that exist today were actually deficiency diseases that they were caused by lack of certain nutrients in the diet. And in particular, he believed that most of them were mineral deficiency diseases. That being said, he recognized that there was this little-known category of trace mineral deficiencies, these minerals that your body needs a small amount of, but if you don't get enough, your body starts to break down. And he knew that the seas and oceans of the world naturally had every soluble mineral found on the face of the planet in solution. Mm -hmm. And he believed that if people would take just a little bit of seawater every day, that most of those degenerative diseases would disappear. Mm -hmm. His recommendation was that people go out to the ocean, 
collect some seawater and boil it down, A, to purify it, and B, to make it more concentrated, and then just take a little bit of that every day. And he would write on a regular basis how a number of people had benefited with a range of health issues from doing that. Now, Dr. Crane's father didn't really believe in this stuff about seawater. He thought it was kind of silly. And so Dr. Crane had a tough time getting his dad to take the seawater every day. Dr. Crane's dad had arthritis in his joints so bad that he couldn't even tie his own shoelaces. And so Dr. Crane had to tie his dad's shoelaces every morning to help him out. And Dr. Crane, being a loving son and not wanting to argue with his dad, but knowing that people were benefiting from this, decided to take a different path to help his dad. And that was Dr. Crane made his dad's oatmeal every morning. Uh And instead of getting his dad to take some seawater as a supplement, he would put some seawater in his dad's oatmeal instead of table salt. Uh-huh. Well, after doing this for about a month, Dr. Crane looked out and realized that he hadn't tied his dad's shoelaces in a while. Uh-huh. And he asked his dad, you know, Dad, when did I, when, you know, what's going on? I haven't tied your shoelaces for a little while. And his dad said, well, I'm just tying my own shoelaces lately. The last week, I've been feeling a little bit better, and I've been tying my own shoelaces. Huh, interesting. And that quickly. So that was kind of an interesting experience for him. Well, my parents were reading these newspaper articles on a regular basis, and they knew that they were close to an inland sea. They started to reach research out the Great Salt Lake and discovered that it was naturally more concentrated and more pure as far as bacteria and those kinds of things are concerned than seawater was because of its high mineral concentration. And so they decided to look into this. In fact, they had a neighbor who had arthritis quite severely, and she was a religious woman who, in one of her daily rituals, was to kneel down to pray. But her arthritis had become so bad in her knees that she couldn't kneel down to pray in the morning. Nice topic for Sunday morning. Yeah. In any case, they asked her if she'd be interested in trying some Great Salt Lake water. She'd been reading Dr. Crane's articles, and she tried some of the Great Salt Lake water for about a month, and lo and behold, she was able to have her arthritis improve to the point that she was able to kneel down and pray as she liked to do throughout most of her life. Yes. And so my parents kind of took that as a divine sign (laughs) that there really was something there, and basically they started to bottle up and sell Great Salt Lake water by by the pint. And so they would go out to trade shows and and to health expos, and they would they had a little spray bottle on a bottle called inland on a product called inland seawater. Yeah, and they would let people try fresh vegetables with inland seawater sprayed right on those vegetables, and they would talk about the benefits of broad spectrum naturally occurring minerals and trace minerals, and they sold a lot of minerals around the United States. In wow. particular, in all of those areas, of course, where Dr. Crane had his articles published in the local paper because Dr. Crane did such a wonderful job of educating the public. Yeah. And he, he had a wonderful flowery way. He talked about Ponce de Leon looking for the Fountain of Youth. And, in fact, that Dr. Crane believed that maybe Ponce de Leon had sailed across the Fountain of Youth. Uh, it, it was underneath <laughs> him the entire way over. Yes. And, and he'd overlooked it as... 
is so often the case, the truth is right in front of us, but we fail to see it. Yes. Wow. And, and so that's some of the background and history. And, you know, even even getting started, it, you, you start out the discussion with, this is not designed to treat or cure disease. And that's an interesting discussion in this country. Um, certainly, good health and good nutrition is the basis, uh, good nutrition is the basis for good health. And if you don't have good nutrition, your body starts to break down, which is the very definition of disease. Yes. However, by legal definition in this country through legislation and other things, disease is, of course, purely in the realm of the pharmaceutical and drug companies and the medical doctors yes. who, who get very, very little training about nutrition mm. and the basis of health. And so, for example, it's allowed in the United States to make claims to support the nutritional functioning of the body with nutrients, but any time you make that claim, companies in our industry are required to put a disclaimer on there that states that these nutrients are not, or these, this product is not designed to prevent, cure, or mitigate any disease. Right. Which, most of that's true. The diagnosis and the treatment of disease, once it gets serious and out of hand, it should be in the hands of the doctors. But truly, the prevention of disease, in my opinion, should be in the category of good nutrition and where people can take personal responsibility for their health. The doctors and the pharmaceutical companies are in the disease and sickness business. The, the health and nutrition business, the dietary supplements industry, is in the health business, which is a little bit different emphasis and well, priority. That's, that's a great point that you bring, and uh, I have to tell you that uh, thanks to Utah and uh, thanks to uh, Senator Orrin Hatch, we still have a fight at this point uh, with uh, nutritional supplements as well as uh, the, uh, the natural health organizations as we know it. And um, your state is definitely leading the way, and, and I wish that more states would jump on it. And, you know, just knowing that only 17 states in this country are allowing naturopathic physicians to actually practice, uh, in my opinion, is a crime. Uh, we see health food stores all over the place, but if people have nowhere to go when they actually have a comp- when they actually have a problem and they would like to see some type of an alternative treatment, there is no naturopathic physician available. And to me, that is a uh, that is a problem that we have. If if that cannot be allowed in mean, a country like this that has stood for freedom, uh, we need to give people the choice to say, what can I do? I mean, if we don't regulate Twinkies or French fries or, or uh, some of the other things that are on the market today, that is not regulated. But if you know, we're starting to regulate vitamin E and vitamin C and they take an herb like Ma Wang off the shelf and you cannot say on your bottle that it, uh, it, it will help you with deficiencies in the system, then um, you know we're definitely on the wrong track here. Well, to be in good health is to have true freedom. And to be sick and dependent on the drugs and the doctors is to be a slave to that. And it's important that we take personal responsibility to take good care of our own health, to make sure that our body has the basic building blocks of nutrition. In fact, the very definition of an essential nutrient or anything that is essential for health is that if you have enough of it, the body's going to function better. If you do not have enough of it, the body starts to break down. That's the right. way that they discover whether a nutrient is essential or not is in animals, they will cause a deficiency of that nutrient. 
if the animal starts to get sick, if the health starts to break down or disease sets in without that nutrient, then they know that that nutrient is essential. So even though we claim, every time we claim the, the support and functioning that these, that these nutrients are not designed to prevent disease, well, that's a legislated lie that we all agree to. Well, and, and you look at it, Val, uh, you know, just, just today and yesterday, all of a sudden there is a lot going on about this uh, possible swine flu pandemic. And they are scrambling in, with the government right now to come up with a vaccine, even though they say it could take them about, uh, what, 20 weeks or something to come up with, a, with an actual vaccine for swine flu. You go, okay, so now some company, whoever it is, is going to do a quick, quick research on a product that we don't know what the long-lasting effects are going to be, but they're going to come out with some kind of a vaccine where Mother Nature has shown through, and let's say your company working for 40 years on something, would have to be very careful to tell people that it could actually be good for the health, but and and, and all of a sudden uh, some drug company can come out and say, well, we just we just found a cure for this. We, we found a an, an vaccine for that. Uh, we know if you do this, uh, it will help you with that, and and there is no, there is not even a year of research behind it, and somehow everybody jumps on it, and everybody says, let's get it into our body without even questioning anything, and that is, I think, where one of the problems comes in, that uh, uh, politically, we are stuck in a modality, and we don't want to make it a political show, but we're stuck in a modality that totally glorifies uh, one type of research that is limited and has not shown to have long-term uh, success, where the other one obviously has a lot of long-term use already without any without any negative side effects to speak of, I should say. I mean, you know, this is one thing that I, I told somebody this week. Here they're trying to say, you know, don't take more than, let's say, selenium, which is a mineral, and today we're talking about minerals. Um, I know of people who take 1,000 to 1,200 micrograms of selenium a day, and wow. it works wonderful for them. Now, you read the literature, and it says, do not take more than 400 micrograms of selenium a day. But here you go to a store, and you can go to a grocery store, and you can buy Sudafed, you can buy aspirin, you can take uh, uh, Tylenol, whatever, over the counter. And once you go through that checkout stand, nobody's going to tell you, well, you know you can only take one a day. Uh, you know, nobody knows. If you go home and you take, you buy five packs of it, and then you use all of it and kill yourself, then... You know, there is no warning on that, really a warning on that either. But well, they feel, you know, my, you understand yes, my point? Th th there is a huge amount of money in the treatment of sickness. Yeah. And there are companies and industries, it's a huge percentage of the, uh, of the global economy. And there are very powerful companies and industries that work very hard to protect their pie, as they see it, on that, par that portion of, of money. Yeah. Uh, for, and if it wasn't for health freedoms, companies like ours would not exist. My father became a student of the Constitution shortly after he started in this business because the FDA tried to shut him down. At, at the end of a lot of harassment, they actually, we, we have a letter on file as to why they were harassing him, why they were seizing product and destroying product. Yeah. And the basic 
emphasis was he had they had problems with his labels at the time. Yeah. And and he made two claims on his labels that they didn't like. First of all, he made a claim balanced by nature. And they didn't like it that our company was making a claim balanced by nature on a Great Salt Lake product because, of course, as everyone knows, the only possible benefit that could come from the Great Salt Lake is its salty taste. That was a quote from the letter. The other thing that they had a problem with was the aspect of it said unheated on the label. And they didn't like that because the sun shines on the Great Salt Lake. And that was worth it for them to send him subpoenas to appear in court on in two separate states on the same day, to seize product mid-shipment and destroy it, and to harass him. At the end of studying the, competi- or the Constitution, some agents came out with an illegal search warrant. You know, when, when they first came by, he thought... Let me open everything up. They're just trying to protect the public. Let me do what I can to to help them with that. They don't have any ill will, and they used that to try to harass him. And so he started to read the Constitution to make sure that he could protect himself, and he knew that there were limits on governmental power in the United States at that time. And so when they showed up with an open-ended search warrant that allowed them, it, it ended by stating that they could search and elsewhere, where search warrants are required that you have to search within limited parameters, hmm. he ended up telling these agents that they could go search elsewhere. Wow. <laughs> yes. And, and that, prob- that study of the Constitution saved our business and allowed us to stay in business and help a lot of people over the years. So our freedoms are very much tied to our ability to maintain our health, and certainly there is a concerted effort to protect the public from the truth. So to speak. Well, that is a great point that you bring up because here is a man, this is your father, who knows his rights, who studies his rights, who lives within his rights, but he is attacked by people that are in the law yeah. that don't even know the rights of the individual. And because of their loud mouth, they are telling you that you're not in your rights. And then you, as an individual who's not trained in this kind of stuff, has to figure out that you actually have the right what you're doing and that you have to fight these people who are telling you that you're a liar. And it is just unbelievable that uh, that uh, that it works that way. Folks, you are listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus. Val Anderson is with me today for Mineral Resources International. We are talking about minerals today. We're talking about the Salt Lake and what the Salt Lake has to offer as far as minerals are concerned. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about these individual minerals and how it affects us. So we'll be right back. Val, thank you so much for being with us today. Since it's Sunday morning, and we're we're getting off to a good start this morning, <clears throat> let me give a little bit of background on on mineral nutrition from a couple of different perspectives. And let me start by starting off with the religious and creationist perspective. Okay. For those people who are religious, of course, you're, m- most of those people, like me, are going to view that there's a benevolent, God, um, who created this world that put us here, kind of, that's apparent for us, that sent us away to college, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that gave us all of the tools that we need to be healthy and happy and to have the experiences that we need to have for this education that we get here on Earth. Now, that being said, um, all of the nutrients are here, but we have to make sure that we're getting them. We're here to learn, and we have the tools, we have a brain to think, and an ability to do things. As you look at the beginning of the Bible, there is the statement of multiply 
and replenish the earth. Mm-hmm. And people are well aware of the multiply, yeah. but, but I think the part of replenishing the earth stumps most people as to what that means. In my opinion, that's actually referring to a commandment to make sure that the nutrients are put back on the soil, mm. that we don't just use and abuse the world, but that we have the, the responsibility, the stewardship with our thinking minds and working bodies to keep things in good working order, which means to put the minerals back on the soils as we use them. Now, the water cycle is a circular cycle. It's constantly, the clouds are going up, the water evaporates, the water washes across the soil, down into the rivers and streams and downhill. The mineral cycle is a one-way cycle. The minerals only wash downhill, unless, of course, there's a volcanic eruption or something along those lines that spews the, the minerals back up into the atmosphere and across the earth. Yeah. By and large, the, the mineral cycle is only a one-way cycle. So as the soils are becoming depleted, the seas are becoming, are becoming minerally enriched. And, you know, the, the statements religiously that we come from the earth, we're tied to the earth, we are very connected to the earth, and the seas have an almost identical balance of minerals and form of minerals as to what you should find in healthy blood plasma and lymphatic fluid. Um, but the soils continually are becoming depleted. In fact, to look scripturally, there were time frames in the Old Testament when people had huge lifespans, and that changed at a particular point. And it, the point that that changed in the Bible was the beginning of the water cycle. Hmm. Up until the time of Noah, biblically speaking, there, the, the plants were watered by a mist that came down at night and the earth maintained its balance. But after the big rains came, then there was the water cycle, and the soils gradually became depleted and lost their balance, and we have to look back to the seas for that mineral balance. Now, to look at the other side, for those that are more of a scientific mind or believe in evolution, scientists believe that we evolved from the seas. And the reason that scientists believe we evolved from the seas is that all living animals carry seawater with us in our veins. We're, we're very closely connected to the seas. That's yes, a good point. I'm listening. <laughs> and so which, whichever angle you look at it from, you know that we're connected to the seas and the ocean, and that's a critical place to look for that, that basic balance. So, you know, one of the things in the nutrition business a tradition and a history there is the whole foods aspect. That the less refined our foods are, the better off we're going to be for overall nutrition. There's a great amount of wisdom in that insight that, you know, whole wheat flour is going to be much more nutritious than white flour, even after they add the nutrients back for the fortified white flour. And, you know, free-range eggs are going to be more nutritious than eggs from chickens that are raised in a factory setting. Good point. And your organic fruits and vegetables are going to have better nutrition than your um, mass farm-raised fruits and vegetables. And, you know, the, the more you can have 
things on the natural side, the better balance and nutrition you're going to have. Yeah. Now, that being said, even the organic foods are seeing a depletion. When you grow the same foods on the same soil again and again, and even just because of the water cycle, the, the plants become, you know, the soils become gradually depleted, and the plants become depleted. And so we're not seeing the same amount of mineral nutrition and even vitamin nutrition from our foods that we used to see. Yeah. Our company has worked with scientists both in the United States and abroad who have done research showing that, well, both in the United States and the United Kingdom in particular, a couple of scientists have taken a look at the government analysis of mineral content in the food supply. Every so many years, the, the agriculture department will go out and they'll do broad-spectrum analysis of the mineral nutrition that's available from the food supply. And if you mm. go back and you look at that documentation historically, what you find is that every time the government does a new analysis, it's showing a lower level of minerals than the last time they did the analysis. That's scary. And, and how much time between those kind of tests? Is it six years, ten years, five years? What are we talking about? Well, it, it varies, but it's so much. It, it's such a broad spectrum of depletion that it's even impacting the vitamin nutrients. Remember, those minerals are the basic building blocks that everything is produced from. Yes, yes. And if the plants don't have enough minerals, they don't produce the same levels of vitamins either. If the animals don't have enough minerals, they don't produce the vitamins. In fact, 50 years ago, when they did analysis of vitamin A in, in hamburger, hamburger had vitamin A in it. Yeah. Today, when they do analysis of vitamin A in hamburger, it's gone. And so you can see a specific rise of the supplement industry that correlates to the decline of nutrients in our foods. And so we naturally, we innately know that our bodies need certain things, and people are seeking out those things to reverse the health trend of depletion and sickness that's been going on in this country and around the world. Yes. And so even you look at a tomato, a tomato grown on mineral-rich soil may look very similar to a tomato that's grown on depleted soil, but if you go in and you look at the mineral content, it's going to be widely varying from one soil to another, and as our soils become depleted, those minerals are becoming depleted overall. Well, I think part of it, Val, when you talk about uh, fruits and vegetables, most of the fruits and vegetables that we get in stores, the way they're treated these days is they can pick them a lot earlier and let them ripen by themselves in a store, in a warehouse and coolers, and then by the time we get them, they will be actually, uh, you know, they've been around for a while. So when you look at your own garden and you grow them, usually you don't pick them. You don't pick your fruits and vegetables until you say they're rich in color, they have exactly. the right shape, the right size, and that's when you pick them and you eat them. Which so the in, Yeah, so the industry has changed somewhat, uh, not somewhat, but quite a bit, to, to say we, can, we need to produce and we need to make sure that we feed a lot of people, so we need to keep the warehouses filled with nutrients so that of, with, with the food so that we can supply the food when it is needed instead of waiting for it to be ready. And then you only have one short season that certain vegetables come about. But that is really that would be the more natural way to eat food. It grows in this season. Let's eat it in the same season. 
you know, so there's, I can see what you're saying. If the longer it grows in your own garden to its full ripeness, size, color, etc., the more nutrient-dense it will be. Well, most of us Americans are full and starving at the same time. Yeah. We, we have plenty of calories, so and our bellies are full, but we are severely depleted on a number of the mineral nutrients. And you make a good point with the plants or the the vegetables and fruits being picked before they're ripe, which cuts the amount of time that those plants are connected to the soil. On top of that, in modern farming practices, the plants take a broad spectrum of mineral nutrition out. But plants are lower organisms. They don't need the same broad spectrum that we do to achieve health. And so the farmers have found that they can put back, by and large, three minerals, and that the plants will continue to grow as long as they continue to put back three minerals, NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And they keep putting those three minerals back, and everything else is getting more and more depleted. Now, the plants actually do need some other minerals. The iron does get added to soils where they're growing potatoes, but the potatoes won't grow. Some plants get boron added back to the soils or the plants don't grow, and they're starting to find that they're needing to add at least some magnesium back to the soils or the plants don't grow appropriately Mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. But that's only after severe depletion has already crept in, and that's one of the reasons why we're just not seeing the mineral and even vitamin nutrition from our foods that we used to see. Our tomatoes are not our grandparents' tomatoes. Our carrots, our peas, are not our grandparents' carrots and peas. And and on top of that, we're we're eating more refined foods that further deplete the nutrients out. We're eating canned foods and, and foods that are stored on the shelves for a long period of time so that the vitamins are losing potency over time. And we're very well fed but we're starving at the same time. That's a great and, concept. And the bodies are break, our bodies are breaking down because of that depletion of yeah. mineral nutrition. Yeah. Val Anderson is my guest today on Gesundheit with Jacobus. Val is with Mineral Resources International in Ogden, Utah. Caller, good morning. Thanks for joining us this early. What is your name? How can we help you, please? Jacobus, this is Tom. Hey, Tom. Question for Val. You bet. Would there be any advantage in doing either well water or spring water as opposed to city water? Oh, Absolutely. Um, In modern wisdom, in modern scientific wisdom, people have come to believe that pure is better. And to a point, that's true. We don't want certain harmful things in our water. But at the same time, historically speaking, water has actually been a a significant nutritional source of minerals. And in fact, in communities where they switched to soft water, Certain diseases, cancer, heart disease, went way up after that switch. And so your spring water is going to naturally have a certain level of minerals in it. Your well water is going to naturally have certain levels of minerals in it. And as long as you're drinking a water that's not contaminated with certain pollutants, it's going to be much better for you to get a whole water with those naturally occurring minerals than to drink a refined and purified water. In fact, around the country, when the scare came up about arsenic and George Bush was laughed off the stage for saying that a tiny amount of arsenic would actually be tolerated by the body and we didn't have to remove everything out, um, when that argument didn't go so well, 
by and large, city water around the country has gone to purely purified water, which has all of the nutrients, all the minerals removed from it, and that water is actually hungry for minerals and can rob your body of minerals if you don't put some minerals back in it to make it a good balance. Um, the purified water, uh, distilled water, will actually be acidic rather than alkaline, uh-huh. and that acidic water will start to affect the pH of the body and start to put you in an acidic state rather than an alkaline state, which is much more healthful hmm. for the body. Huh. Wow. Great point. So I hope that answers your question. It does. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Tom. You. Appreciate it. Carla, thanks for joining us. What is your name, please? You're on the air with Val Anderson. How are you? My name is Ron. Hey, Ron. Uh, listen, uh, I was watching the uh, uh, Discovery Channel or the Learning Channel, and I believe the animal was bears, but they were eating uh, uh, layers of dirt, and uh, uh, and they were wondering why would they eat dirt, and they, and they analyzed the dirt and discovered that was full of uh, minerals that their body needed to, huh. and, and uh, so I'm wondering if you, uh, you know, I think probably we crave things that our body needs. I know in World War II, the uh, submariners, uh, they had to stay down too long, the batteries got low, and the oxygen uh, was very pure, huh. and, and they discovered that the, that the cottage cheese uh, just disappeared. Huh, Interesting. So I what's your question, have, Ron? Uh, my question is, uh, uh, doesn't the body sometimes crave certain foods? I mean, let's, uh, let's eliminate uh, hot fudge Sunday, but I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, doesn't well, the body that, crave uh, minerals and, uh, uh, you know, like the calcium and the cottage cheese because of the pure oxygen level being down? Uh, uh, when I discovered that, that's why that was the reason. I just wondered, doesn't the body end up kind of craving the food that has what it needs? Good point. A- absolutely. In fact, there are a lot of therapists around the world who have come to recognize that there is an innate intelligence in the body that it will seek after certain things that are necessary for the body. If you look at animals that are allowed to range free, they will eat some plants from one part and other plants from another part. And in fact, what they're doing is they're building up their nutritional levels and they naturally seek after that. I've known people with pets that will put out some pure water for their pets or some water with a little bit of minerals in it, and the pets will naturally go to the water with the minerals in it. Now, the more disconnected we become from nature, the less able we are to sense those things out. And so we do have... We're we're in a time now where we have great imbalance, and by and large, a lot of people eat huge amounts of food that don't really have the mineral nutrition, and some scientists believe that the reason that people keep eating is they're trying to get the nutrition that they need, and it's just not there in the foods that they are eating. If you take a look at rats, rats that eat whole foods don't get fat. They stop eating when they're full. But uh-huh. when they give the rats a modern, refined diet that's poor in nutrition, the rats just keep eating and eating and eating to try and fill that void, and they get fat and all of the other health problems that come along with that. Hmm. Yeah, well, anyway, that, that, was, that was pretty much my curiosity. Uh, I appreciate the, the info. Thanks. Thank you, Ron. 
Yeah. Have a good Sunday. All right. All right. Uh, folks, uh, we are coming up to the news right here. So we hope you stay tuned. This is going to be a wonderful program. I have pen and paper ready for the next two hours because Val will educate us more about different minerals. Uh, we wanted to give you this part of the information, the background behind the company, as well as the, the resources and the research. So we hope you will enjoy it. Next two hours, we'll be right back. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. We've been talking about minerals, uh, a, a passion of mine. I like minerals. I shouldn't say passion of mine because I don't know as much as Val does, but I talk to people regularly that I tell them that we are deficient in minerals, and that is we, we, we often talk about acid alkaline. We often mention, share with people the, the thoughts of we may be too acidic and Val brought it up already in the first hour and the depletion of minerals in our food. And that I say, if we increase our good proteins as well as minerals, we can help our body to become more alkaline. And not that we want to be alkaline, that's not good either, but we need to be more alkaline than we are today in order to protect the body from invaders and diseases that thrive in an acid environment. So, if we talk about, in the news, we hear about pandemics coming up, Lyme disease, as well as uh, swine flu, uh, whatever scare there is, we, in our own body and in our own environment, have the tools to help our body to stand strong so we cannot be that quickly invaded. So instead of becoming scared of something that is coming our way, what can we do to reduce the damage that we, we still may get infected, but the stronger the body is, we the, the easier it is for us to fight it or the more successful we will be to fight it. So when the body is a breeding ground of an acid state, then the chances are that cancers and deficiencies and viruses and bacteria can actually enter this this body of ours but the stronger we stand as far as the balance of our ph is concerned and the more we have the nutrients in our cells that we need the more we will find that we can resist some of the attacks on our body that happen on a daily basis plus you'll find out that stresses when you are under stress it acidifies the system not per se uh, not per se that you say, oh, it, 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 it acidified my shoulder. No, the system in general, because of the, 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 the lowered, uh, what you call it, neurotransmitters, we are finding out that the body naturally reaches a more acidic state. So again, minerals are extremely important. And Val Anderson is with us today. He is talking about this, explaining it to us. And as we will move along, He'll talk more about some of these minerals specifically. Val, good morning to you. Good, good morning. Can I tie a few of those concepts together to minerals along with a, call, a concept that came up from a call earlier yeah, about bet. minerals in the water? Yeah. You, you mentioned the issue of acidic and alkaline. Much of the purified water and bottled water that people are drinking today is actually acidic because it has all of the nutrients taken out of it. Not only the bad things, but all of the good things have been taken out of that water. And that water is now 
hungry for minerals. If you add just a small amount of our low-sodium, low-potassium mineral concentrate from the Great Salt Lake to the water, it will turn that water from acidic to alkaline. I'm also very much of the opinion that to try to get all of your nutrients from a one-a-day pill isn't really going to work very well. The digestive system is not set up very well to absorb everything you need first thing in the day or last thing at night. The digestive system is designed to absorb a little bit here, a little bit there, throughout the day, so that cumulatively it is enough to meet our body's needs. So let's talk societally about a couple different instances that are great examples of the big impact that mineral nutrition spread throughout the day can have. Can you can you hold your thought on that and let's get a caller on who has a question for you? Okay. All right, caller, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Your name, how can we help you, please? Hello, this is Don. Hey, Don, good morning to you. Yes, I have a question about the form of mineral. You bet. I understand that uh, the body requires organic minerals in order to assimilate them and that uh, if we take inorganic uh, minerals that we need to uh, to take a, a chelating agent along with it or the body has to provide the chelating uh, activity and uh, this is one of the arguments about whether you should use uh, water that's filtered or water that is distilled that uh, the distilled water leaches minerals out of your system out of your bones and so on because yes. of the chemical hunger for well you just don't have a minerals that uh, exist in pure form, and you don't have uh, the other nutrients that exist in pure form. It's always in some compound. But uh, I understand that the inorganic form of minerals is what causes plaque on the inside of the blood vessels, uh-huh. and that you have to use a chelation therapy to uh, remove that plaque. So uh, I would like to hear Val's comments on how the body handles the the chelated mineral form, the organic form, versus the inorganic that has yet to be chelated. I'll hang up and listen to his answer. Well, unless you have a follow-up question, Don, you can stay on the line. Uh, but if you want to hang up, that's fine, too. Whatever is preferable. Okay, well, maybe something else will come up. Thank you much. Well, I appreciate that question. That's a great call. It, it is a great call. And that's an area where there's some good understanding in the industry and at large, and there's also an awful lot of confusion about minerals. And, and certainly, form of minerals is very important to their absorbability and utilization within the body. That's not the only important thing to how the minerals are absorbed and utilized. Balance and quantity at the time of consumption are also critically important, as well as how deficient you are or whether you have an excess in the nutrient. Now, to go back to the form issue, a lot of people have been talking about, well, you have to have minerals in an organic form. Just for clarity, you remember the the childhood game Animal Vegetable Mineral? Yeah. Well, animal is animal, vegetable is vegetable, mineral is mineral. Mineral is in its own category, and there's a very large amount of minerals which are not bound to any other substance. Therefore, they would be technically considered inorganic, but are absolutely essential to life and how the body functions. So, for example, electrolytes are absolutely critical to the function of the body. Electrolytes are in an inorganic mineral form. They're not bound to any chelating agent. Um, They're in an inorganic form, but in that form, 
they serve absolutely critical roles and functions within the body. Now, some of the companies that, that make the statement, well, your minerals have to be in an organic form, they're referring to what they would call ancient organic sources, ancient plant sources, and they're using purely the technical definition of organic, which would be the same definition by which coal is also organic and petroleum products are also mm. organic. That doesn't necessarily mean that those substances are good for you or, or viable. It's not necessarily the same definition that most people think of when they think of organic vegetables, which are natural vegetables that don't have any chemical substances put on them. And so there's a lot of misleading information out there in the public about organic versus inorganic. Okay. The other aspect, even as far as you know, these ancient sources of organic, you wouldn't necessarily want to go out and just take a broad swath of plants from the hillside, which would even be fresh, and just juice them up and drink them. You'd want to seek out sources that are going to have safe balances and not have other substances in there that may be harmful. A lot of the companies that are selling what they would call organic minerals are taking those minerals from what you would see as a clay source. It's a deposit that's quite rich in clay, and they tend to be very, very high in aluminum. And so there's a lot of confusion about the organic versus inorganic question out there. Yeah. Now, what he says is true, that chelates, that there are doctors and therapists that will use chelation therapy as a mechanism to bind certain minerals in the body and to move them out of the body. It's not an absorption agent. It's something used to move minerals out of the body. And the body does create some minerals in a chelate form. It will take ionic, non-bound, inorganic minerals in the liver and bind them with certain chelation agents to send them to specific parts in the body for specific purposes. But the body's much better capable of knowing that, say, for example, you need zinc for your prostate today rather than zinc for the brain and sending it to the right place through a chelation agent or binding the selenium to send it to a specific part of the body rather than us getting up in the morning and saying, well, I know that I need to send this mineral to this place. If you take the minerals in an ionic form, which is a non-bound inorganic form of the minerals, the body's quite capable of recognizing that form, locking onto that ionic charge, drawing them in, absorbing them, using some of those minerals in that form for specific purposes and binding them for other purposes as well. Huh. Yes, yeah, so well, I understand the, the different ways that the word organic is used, and I think in terms of nutrition that the understanding I have of organic is that it is a mineral that's in a form that is assembled by the, the body. In other words, it has been chelated. For example, calcium citrate is much better than the limestone stone or the calcium carbonate because of the, uh, the way the calcium is locked in with the, in the unionized form. That The calcium carbonate is much harder to break down than the calcium citrate or the calcium lactate, yeah. which are, are now, to be organic in form. Now, that's, Th that's an interesting thing. The calcium lactate would be an organic form of calcium. It's bound to lactic acid. Um, the, the calcium citrate is not only considered or organic, but it's also considered ionic in that 
the citrate is acting as a negative charged mineral, and it's readily dissolvable, and it will split and send minerals to specific parts of the body. So to go back to the sea source issue, um, the minerals in seawater are by and large inorganic, but because life has had such a long association with the minerals in seawater, life has found ways to, to utilize the tools that it has available to it, and to absorb those minerals in that ionic form. Now, there are some inorganic forms of minerals that are so tightly bound that the body can't dissolve them down into an ionic state, making them readily absorbable in the digestive system. But there are also inorganic forms, ionic forms of minerals, which are very readily recognized by the body, very readily absorbed and utilized by the body. And so it's a little bit of a confusing topic on the organic versus inorganic. It's not as straightforward as some people make it out to be. Uh, you mentioned rainwater. 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 Uh-huh. It just, you know, it's, it's distilled by yes, the natural process, water. so it doesn't carry the mineral content. Well, I talked about spring water and um, well water. Well, that's, really, that's going to have some minerals. That in. was rainwater at one time. It was pure. And you go, go farther down the, the stage, and it becomes contaminated with the various minerals that the body can use. Now, uh, I, I would disagree with you on the contaminated aspect. As the, as the water washes across the soil, it will pick up certain mineral content. And in cultures where they have access to water, which is rich in minerals from the soil and other sources, they tend to have lower amounts of disease. In fact, I'd like to give you a very good example of that. In Finland, which is an industrialized nation, they had some of the worst disease rates of any country in the world and one of the lowest lifespan expectancies of any country in the world. They had horrible rates of, of cancer, of diabetes, of heart disease, of arthritis, and a whole range of the modern illnesses. Now, Finland also has some of the lowest levels of magnesium in their soil and drinking water of any country in the world. Now, there was a group of Finnish people that moved to the United States, lived in North Dakota, and this group, and now, uh, to go back to Finland, these Finnish people also had a number of health and lifestyle factors that got blamed for all of these health problems. The Finnish people are known for drinking heavily, for smoking heavily. They eat lots of dairy products, so their diet was high, high in fat. Um, and these various things were all blamed, the high fat, the high cholesterol, um, and the high levels of smoking and drinking were blamed for all of these other problems. But there was a group of Finnish people that moved to America, and they, they had their own community up in North Dakota. And Dr. Mildred Selig, the world's leading expert on magnesium research, shared this story with me, and she has it written in her book as well on the magnesium factor. And this group of Finnish people living in North Dakota, in spite of the fact that they had the same genetics as the, the, their countrymen over in Finland, and they had the same dietary habits, drinking and smoking habits, these people had much lower rates of cancer and diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease and and arthritis compared to the rest of the United States. Hmm. And so a gentleman from the United States Department of Agriculture was sent out to figure out what was going on. And what he found was that, you know, looking at the various factors, very early on, 
he found that this entire community was getting all of their drinking water from all of their drinking water and all of their uh, irrigation water from one well in the community. He went out, he pulled a sample of that drinking water from that well and tasted it, and he knew that it was mineral-rich just from the taste because it was actually so rich in minerals that it was kind of bitter to the taste. Right. And that, that water was quite rich in both magnesium and selenium. Uh-huh. And the fact that that magnesium and selenium was, A, making it into the plants from the, the irrigation, and B, it was in all of the drinking water that they had throughout the day, that was enough to significantly counter all of these other risk factors and make a dramatic improvement in their health, <laughs> even though the form of the minerals in that drinking water would have been an inorganic form of mineral. I see. The, the thing is, your body is set up to absorb small amounts of minerals from the foods and beverages we drink and eat throughout the day so that it's enough that we get enough to meet our body's needs over the course of the day. Yeah. That's understandable, but also we have to understand that it varies from individual to individual, and primarily based on age, because your digestive processes are not able to perform the chelation. Well, so that's it might, a, be, it might be a difference yeah. in the, in what kind of mineral a person needs for, for good health, depending upon your age. Would well, that not be true? And it, it's not just the chelation. More often than not, it's not just an issue of chelation. It's an issue of the body's ability to break down the minerals into an ionic form, which is by and large the form that the body recognizes. The digestive system is set up to recognize, lock onto that ionic charge, draw them in, and, and absorb them. The body breaks the minerals down. The digestive process is designed to break the minerals down, free them from their matrices in the foods, and free them into an ionic form, lock onto the ionic mineral charge, and absorb them. Once they're in, the blood carries them to the liver, and the liver can then chelate some of the minerals and take some of the other minerals in the bloodstream in ionic form. So, for example, you look at the calcium. There's only a very, very tiny amount of calcium in the body, in the blood, in ionic form. Most of the calcium is in an organic matrix in the bones. But that small amount of calcium that is in an ionic form in the blood serves very, very critical purposes. And if the ionic calcium in the blood gets too low, then you start to have a range of serious health problems come up. Oh, wow. Well, Don, there's been great, great comments and great question to get us started here in the second hour. I appreciate you. I appreciate the call. Okay, and thanks to Val for his uh, taking time to uh, give us, us uh, his thoughts on minerals because it is a very, very important topic, and I really laud him for it. Yeah. Thank you very much. For Thank, Thank you so much. Have a great Sunday. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Val Anderson is with me today on Gesundheit with Jacobus. Um, you, my goodness, Val, you brought up some concepts that uh, may need a little bit more highlighting. <laughs> uh, but this is great, you know, because as a consumer, you go to a store and you want to believe all the labels and you want to believe that because something is in a pill or in a drop form, uh, that therefore it must be good, especially if you buy it in a health food store. But minerals are not minerals per se. Uh, they, uh, there is great research done on it, and it seems to me that that there is so much more to learn about it. So um, we have another caller who would like to weigh in right before we go to the break. So uh, caller, good morning. You're with Val Anderson today on the program. What is your name? How can we help you, please? Yes, my name is Bob, and I just want to make a uh, further comment on the importance of minerals. Thanks, Bob. Um, 
some time ago I read a quote from Dr. Linus Pauling. Uh-huh. Of course, everybody knows about his research on vitamin C. And this quote stated that uh, the main cause of a lot of illnesses is a mineral deficiency. And I thought that was pretty profound that somebody that had done so much work on vitamin C uh, attributed uh, health problems to minerals. Huh. Absolutely. So a comment there. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, Dr. Pauling had another interesting recognition that, that's up, I believe, on the website for the Linus Pauling Institute about magnesium, a very, very important mineral, and recognizing that every form of energy conversion and utilization within the body is dependent on magnesium, and that magnesium is a critical part of ATP, which is adenosine triphosphate, which is the basic energy packet in the body, and that the large majority of that ATP is bound to magnesium and has to be utilized with the magnesium in order to become active energy. Huh. Wow. Well, thank you so much for the call, Bob. I appreciate that uh, that comment. That's good stuff. And it is how, how much fun it is to see that these great minds are so much more versatile in their approach because they realize it is not just one thing that will make you better. It's not one thing that has made you sick. It is a combination of, 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 uh, of nutrients or deficiencies that cause our body to get weaker and to bring Mother Nature in an imbalance. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Val, good morning to you. Good morning. You know, as we talked a little bit about form of minerals. That's a fairly hot topic today, and certainly there are a lot of different companies marketing their particular form of minerals as the best thing. Now, if you look to an unbiased source, and it's not necessarily the best source for every aspect of nutrition, but it's certainly an unbiased source. If you look to the American Medical Association's Encyclopedia of Medicine, hmm. which is basically a big medical dictionary, if you look up, the, if you look up chelate, It'll describe chelation therapy, which is designed to move minerals out of the body. If you look up at the form of colloid, it won't mention anything about minerals. It'll talk about a, a form of suspension where there are tiny particles suspended rather than being in full solution. And, and those are both popular forms of minerals. If you look up electrolyte, it will explain what, that electrolytes are a positive charged ion balanced with a negative charged ion with a loose bond that will split or dissolve when put in water, making the fluids electrically conductive, and then it will explain the function of electrolytes a little bit. If you look up ion, the definition of ion, this is the only form of mineral that you find not only the definition of what that form is, but the explanation important ions and their roles, and it lists calcium. It, Ionic form, of course, nerve conduction, muscle contraction, blood clotting, bone and tooth formation, heart action. Magnesium, nerve conduction, muscle contraction, bone and tooth formation, enzyme activation, protein metabolism. Potassium, nerve conduction, muscle contraction, water balance, acid-base balance, which is the pH. Um, sodium, nerve conduction, muscle contraction, water balance, acid-base balance, chloride, acid-base balance, water balance component of stomach acid, and it lists yeah. others there as well. So it's the only form of mineral that you find and with the definition in the American Medical Association's Encyclopedia of Medicine, where it actually lists these minerals in the, this form, 
serve these purposes, which I find very um, enlightening. Now, earlier today, we talked a little bit about Dr. George Crane and his recognition of the connection of life and health to seawater. To talk a little bit about a more current scientist, Mm -hmm. at the United States Department of Agriculture, there's a wonderful researcher, not connected to our company. He's working for the government, so he's independent. But his name is Forrest Nielsen. He works at the Human Nutrition Research Center in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And that research center used to have its whole focus on mineral and trace mineral nutrition. In fact, Forrest Nielsen, by a lot of scientists, is recognized as the world's leading expert on trace mineral nutrition and ultra-trace mineral nutrition, in particular some of those trace minerals that are very important for health but that have not fully been recognized as essential yet. Mm-hmm. He wrote an interesting article about evolution and the impact that evolution had in his view on whether, a nutri- whether something became an essential nutrient or whether it's non-essential, whether it's toxic, or whether it's non-toxic. And the whole point of this article was to make the point that life has always had a very close connection to seawater. And for that reason, the more likely you are to find a mineral in any kind of abundance in seawater, the more likely that that mineral will be essential and safe for health, because life uses the tools that are available to it, and it develops a tolerance for those things that it has regular association with. The converse, however, the less likely you are to find a mineral in seawater, the more likely it is to be non-essential, and the more likely it is for life to have not developed mechanisms to cope with it and therefore be toxic. And there are a few minor exceptions to that, the most notable being iron. There is not a lot of iron in seawater, and so... Most of the plants and animals in the sea do not have a lot of iron in them, but iron is a very efficient carrier of oxygen, and it's spread around on the land quite evenly, and so any land animal has ready access to iron in our food sources. And so you find that for all of us land animals, iron is much more abundant in our blood, and and it's the more efficient tool, and so life on land uses iron to carry the oxygen rather than what the sea animals use. So I don't, I don't totally understand it. I thought that iron is important. Well, uh, iron is, and it's the exception to the rule. Okay. That, that iron is important, it's an efficient carrier of oxygen, and so you find it in land animals, but the rule that the more likely you are to find a nutrient or a mineral in seawater, the more likely it is to be essential and the less likely it is to be toxic, that rule holds true with only a few minor exceptions, for example, iron, which is not abundant in seawater and is a very important mineral as well. Okay, so that you what you're saying is iron is very important. It is not very abundant in seawater, but it is essential because a lot of people are anemic and it could actually be an iron deficiency. Or of course, it can also be a B12 deficiency. But um, um, taking, therefore, an iron supplement is good? Well, actually... I mentioned iron is the exception, where iron is essential for land animals. But remember that this article was about essentiality and and non-toxic. Iron's one of those minerals that, in fact, life is still working out the kinks a bit. It's working out the details. Iron is one of the most common deficiencies found in humans. 
it's also one of the most common toxicity problems found in humans. There, um, st- there are iron storage disorders that are very common. So by and large, iron deficiency is not very common in men. It's more common in yeah, women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but most people should not supplement with iron unless they know they have a deficiency. Okay. Be- because iron, disto- iron storage disorders are also quite common. Life's still working the details out on that one. Now, do you feel that the ranges that they put on a blood test for iron are the correct ranges, or have you discovered that the ranges are off? I think that blood tests for iron are probably fairly reasonable and accurate because iron is one of those minerals that, by and large, you find it in the blood. Now, there are certain other minerals that doctors believe they can get a good test in the blood that doctors do not get very good test results at all. So, for example, magnesium. If, if you test for magnesium in the blood, as Dr. Mildred Selig that worked with our company a few years ago, she was considered the world's leading expert on magnesium. Yeah. She stated that if you find either an excess level of, of magnesium or a deficiency of magnesium in the blood, you're already on your way to the hospital in severe health problems. Um, because the body works to maintain the levels of magnesium so closely in the blood that if you're out of range of magnesium in the blood, you have a severe problem already. Zinc is another one that is very important for um, fighting infections, and when they take a blood test for zinc, well, the body rushes zinc to the site where where the body was punctured, and you don't find zinc deficiencies in the blood. And so some minerals... Blood tests are not a very good way to figure out if the body has a deficiency. Oh. And in fact, for magnesium deficiency, which is, which is such an important mineral, there really isn't a very good medical test for magnesium deficiency. The body stores magnesium mostly in the muscle tissue, and to go in and take a muscle um, sample is very invasive to the body. And so, you know, it's one of those things that science is still trying to figure out a good medical test for magnesium in the body, and it doesn't really have one yet. Wow. Well, Val, uh, very interesting stuff. We have a couple callers. Uh, first caller has been holding on for quite a while. Caller, good morning to you. What is your name? How can we help you, please? Are you talking to me? I'm talking to uh, you. Uh, this is Casey. Hi, Casey. Uh, I could listen to this man all day. Isn't that something? It's incredible. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking notes, and I'm thinking, gee, am I going to be able to decipher this? Uh, um, my, he's still, he's touching sort of on what I'm calling about. Uh, I was, I consulted a, uh, an herbalist out of state, uh, when I had to, uh, last summer. And I have, uh, among other things, I have calcium deposits or bone spurs, uh, in my hands. Wherever I've had an injury, even on my spine, I have bone spurs. They're very common among a few friends of mine that also have back problems and all, and hand problems. And uh, I, she said, this lady told me that the uh, calcium I had been taking was not in pure form. It wasn't a good supplement. And that the body absorbs it, which this man spoke of earlier, but does not assimilate it correctly because it does not recognize it as whole food. I'd like to know if that stands merit. And also, she said that so it stores it in my bone, my knuckles now. He talked about the uh, water. She said, from now on, she says, do this for just six months. I have done it, and I think I have seen results. She says, drink only distilled drinking water, not distilled water, 
not spring water, but distilled drinking water. And so I, you know, I buy it in plastic jugs, and I've been drinking it. And then I thought, wait a minute, I can distill this in my own teapot and just boil the heck out of it. And uh, and and so this is pretty much what I do a lot now. Uh, I don't drink solely that water now, though. But I have noticed it's diminished a bit in my quite a bit in my hands uh-huh. where these bone spurs were now. And I'm not having quite the problem I was with my back. Maybe that's due to my exercising or whatever. But still, uh, I wondered if he could tell us, between the manufactured calcium supplements, is it true they can be absorbed and not assimilated correctly so then the body will deposit them where, where the body's telling it it needs it, you know? And, and then we're stuck with these bone spurs and, and things like that. And what... what she she said that the distilled water will draw the that uh, excess that excess yes off of my bones and so far I think that's what's happened. Yeah, and Val indeed was well, talking about uh, distilled water. So yeah, Val, yeah. what do you think? Well, this is a wonderful question. First of all, I'm terribly sorry about your health condition, and let's hope that we can give you some information that will help you to take matters into your own hands for some better results. The the doctor or the therapist that you're working with is kind of on the right path, and you're going to get some results from what they're talking about, but they're missing the major part of the issue. Um, the form is only part of the issue. The other biggest part of the issue is balance. And so while it's true you've had calcium deposits because you're not appropriately using the calcium in your body, that's very true, and while you drink purified water, it will tend to leach onto any minerals in your body and pull them out. That's not really what you want overall. What you want overall is to properly utilize and assimilate the calcium to build your bones up and to build your health up rather than have it either depleted out of the body or stored improperly in the body. Now, to go back to Forrest Nielsen, he wrote a wonderful article a few years ago called The Realities and Balderdash of Dietary Supplements Claims. And he talks about calcium supplementation. Uh-huh. Most people are taking calcium because they want to prevent osteoporosis, which is a calcium deficiency in the bones. Now, what they're overlooking, though, is they think that that calcium deficiency in the bones is caused by a calcium deficiency in the diet, and therefore if they take a calcium supplement, it will rectify the problem. Forrest Nielsen points out that's by and large not the issue in the United States. Americans have some of the highest per capita consumption of calcium of any country in the world, and we also have terrible per capita rates of osteoporosis. What Dr. Nielsen recognized was that the body, that the issue is a bit more complex. By and large, the calcium deficiency in the bones is not caused so much by calcium deficiency in the diet, but by a deficiency in the diet of other nutrients that are essential and therefore can't be replaced by anything else you need them and that are required to deliver calcium to the bone in a healthy bone matrix. So, for example, you need magnesium. If you're deficient in magnesium to deliver, and the magnesium is required to deliver the calcium to the bones, and you take more calcium, you can actually make your calcium deficiency in the bones worse because calcium and magnesium compete for absorption in the digestive system. 
Boron is another one that's essential for delivering calcium to the bones in a healthy bone matrix. Zinc, copper, um, your vitamin D, there's a whole range of essential nutrients that are required to deliver that calcium to the bones in a healthy bone matrix. Now, when people have taken mega doses of calcium, they've seen some reduction in bone loss, but they've never seen a reversal of osteoporosis through pure calcium supplementation in any form. The only thing, the only form of supplementation that saw not only a decrease in the loss of calcium, but actually a reversal, i.e. a buildup again of calcium in the bones after it had become depleted, was to supplement calcium with the range of other essential nutrients that were required to deliver it to the bones in a healthy bone matrix. Now, magnesium is a very common deficiency in this country, and by and large, people are exacerbating their magnesium deficiency through excess calcium consumption. Mm. And that could be a big part of your issue. Well, very interesting, Casey. Yes, thank you very much. Hey, you bet. Great call. <laughs> and brought it. We have to run for the news here, Casey. But thank thanks you. for the call. Have you a bet. good Sunday. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. You know, Val, um, I want to throw this, this in there. Uh, I know we got to run. But I also see that uh, lack of hydrochloric acid in the stomach uh, deficiency of enough enzymes in the stomach can trigger the bone spurs and heel spurs. So maybe we can comment on that when we come back. Val Anderson is my guest, mineralresourcesint.com. Check it out on the web. We're going to be back for another great hour. So we'll talk to you soon. We have already a caller with us today, uh, this morning or this hour. What am I saying? We've been busy with calls today. <laughs> well, very interesting stuff. Uh, caller, good morning. What is your point and what is your name? Well, this is yada, yada, yada. Yeah, you Let's are yada, yada, yada. You had to wait quite a few times. Isn't it something? Yeah. We let you wait. This must be big time radio because this is the fourth time I've tried to call. Uh, I, yeah, I, I try to keep up with this health food stuff. Uh, yeah. I got three questions now. Uh, All right. I was reading this uh, book uh, about, see, what was the name? Uh, but it was called Fluoridation and Tooth Decay. And when somebody was saying uh, she boils the heck out of her Bozeman water, all that's going to do is put heavier metal fluoride more intensely in uh, boiled water because it, it doesn't evaporate. It just uh, intensifies. I, there's a question about uh, what you think about commercial fluoride. And then I read this good piece about uh, coral calcium, and he said it's one of the biggest scams of the century. So I'm going to ask about that. Good call. And then this other one, uh, if you're in in the in-group in health foods and health, there's this Women's Health Initiative, which is studying long-term study of uh, a lot of women. I think it's about 160,000 of them. And they've come to the conclusion that multivitamin mineral pills do not reduce the risk of heart disease or cancer or even prolonged life. So there are three questions that Yada will leave you with. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. All you right. know, those are excellent calls, so I appreciate your, uh, you calling in today. All right, well, good. All right, thank you. Go okay, ahead, so, Go ahead so, Val. So in rapid succession, then, yes. fluoride is one of those minerals that's added to water in a lot of places in the United States. There's been some evidence that fluoride will help reduce um, tooth cavities, but I think that that's a bit misleading, and I think that we're focused too much on one mineral. Um, fluoride is not known to be any, a fully essential mineral, 
and the window of safety for fluoride is very narrow. Ultra-trace amounts of fluoride that you would normally get in, you know, say a spring water or from seawater, the body can handle that, but there are issues. If you get too much fluoride, it starts to model the teeth and, and discolor them, and, and it will actually soften bones. Mm. And so, you know, it, with any mineral, and especially for the trace and ultra-trace minerals, there's a window of safety. Too much is a problem and will start to cause issues. Not enough is a problem and will start to cause issues. The problem with fluoride is that that window of safety is very narrow, and there are a lot of people in the dietary supplements industry that I have a lot of respect for have grave concern over fluoride. I know that in a lot of different countries, fluoride is actually banned. In some countries, you can't even find fluoride in the toothpaste because it's actually been banned. Wow. So that's the first one. The next one was coral calcium. Well, you know what? I want to jump on this for just a moment because okay. it is so promoted by dentists and people who like to take care of their teeth. They want to make sure that their teeth are strong. So what can people do instead of fluoride to keep their teeth strong? Well, this teeth issue may actually be a multi-generational issue. Okay. That it may take more than one generation to fully fix the problem. But if you look at historical cultures, in fact, we worked with um, Paul Bergner, who is a wonderful researcher. He's one of those people here in the United States that did the research on government analysis of mineral content in the food supply. He referenced another doctor's research on teeth and found that traditional cultures where the foods were naturally rich in mineral and vitamin content, as opposed to the modern ways of farming and and processing our foods, which is very depleted in minerals, and even the way that the traditional societies prepared their foods, they didn't need dentists. When they were eating, you know, grazed animals that had grazed on the hillside from one place to another, and they would grow plants um, in one location until the soil was depleted, then they'd move on to another, and, you know, they, they were eating mostly wild plants and animals, those people had enough broad-range mineral nutrition in their diets that they didn't have teeth problems. Huh. And so I don't think that tooth problems are a one mineral issue. Okay. It's not just fluoride. And when people rely on just one mineral to solve a, a, a balance problem, you're going to have other problems come out of that. The, the law of unintended consequences, we need to get back to balance. Okay, well, that's, that's good. I appreciate that. How about coral calcium? Uh, coral calcium, <laughs> it, it's a mixed bag. Coral calcium is, by and large, calcium carbonate, which is the least expensive form of calcium. It's a natural form of calcium carbonate with small amounts of other minerals and trace minerals around the outside of it. And so it's probably a little bit more assimilable than um, some of the other forms of calcium carbonate. And certainly the added amounts, you know, the naturally occurring amounts of the other naturally occurring trace minerals are probably beneficial, but I think that there's a lot of misleading hype around that product. I find it interesting how many health food store owners will absolutely, you know, say that, that calcium carbonate's bad, but then they will promote heavily coral calcium, which yes. is basically calcium carbonate. Well, I started to worry when I heard the tape from Dr. Barefoot where he was saying that in these cultures in Japan, people had, uh, they had this white milky water running through their village, and that's what they would drink, and uh, they lived to be a long life. I thought, well, 
there is more than just drinking a little white milky water. I mean, there must be, uh, maybe their tax system is different. Maybe their marriage system is different. Maybe the there's more sunshine. I don't know. You cannot just blame it all on one element in life that makes somebody healthy and happy. Well, so, and that white milky water is going to have a lot more than just calcium in it. Correct. It's going to have a broad range of minerals. But any time you find a mineral that has been precipitated or crystallized or refined out, you're going to find a large percentage of just one mineral. It's like table salt, which is just pure sodium chloride, rather than sea minerals, which has potassium and magnesium and a broad range of essential trace minerals and other naturally occurring minerals balanced with that sodium. There's a very big difference. Even even sea salt is almost pure sodium chloride, 98 to 99% pure sodium chloride, whereas seawater is going to have much higher levels of the magnesium, the potassium, essential electrolytes that are required for the sodium to function properly in the body. You're going to have naturally occurring boron, naturally occurring lithium, and a broad range of other minerals in trace and ultra-trace amounts. It's mm. a very different thing than just getting a refined source. Yes, okay. Well, so, so should good. we answer the third one, which was the long-term women's study on health and Multivitamins, yeah, the multivitamin mineral combinations. Okay, first of all, most vitamin supplements that are out there, not from your store, but say most of what people are taking as supplements, the, the supplements, the one-a-days that people are buying from the grocery store or that they're buying from the pharmacy. You mean the one that says, doctor, <laughs> number one doctor recommended multivitamin? Yes. Yes. Those okay. vitamins, by and large, are in a chemical form that is a, a, a close approximation to the actual vitamin as it's found in nature. It's not, they figure out a way, they, first of all, they figure out the natural substance, and then they figure out a way to make it in the lab, but they may not be exactly the same. Secondly, the balance in a lot of these is not all that great. Potassium is by and large overlooked in those, and um, magnesium is by and large overlooked in, in those supplements. And furthermore, I have come to a very strong belief that trying to get all of your nutrition from once a day from a supplement or even twice a day from a supplement is not the most effective way to absorb your mineral nutrients or your nutrients in general. To go back a little bit, we talked about um, spreading the minerals throughout the day. That's what I would refer to as lifestyle dosing. Rather than taking a pill taking a little bit here and a little bit there added to your foods and beverages so that you know that it's enough to appropriately top off the diet, that is much more in keeping with how the digestive system is set up to absorb a little bit here and a little bit there from your foods and beverages spread throughout the day. Yeah. Magnesium, for example, which is such an essential mineral, and it's very deficient because not by and large you get it in your food supply from green leafy vegetables, which people don't really eat anymore. We should, but we don't. The other aspect of it is stress depletes the body of magnesium, and we're under constant stress. Even noise stress depletes, depletes magnesium more than um, emotional stress, yes. and it flushes it out. Um, the, the research shows that the, more, the higher the level of magnesium that you take at once, the smaller the percentage you will absorb. Huh. If you... You know, so if you take a big dose first thing in the morning, it gives you a false sense of security that you've taken care of your health needs. Ah. But then you, most of it goes out of your system rather than being absorbed. If you can spread that consumption of your magnesium in your 
in your foods and beverages throughout the day so that you get a little bit here and a little bit there, you dramatically increase the level of absorption that you're going to have. And so I think that there's a big problem with the paradigm of, well, we're going to eat horrible food, and then I'm going to take a pill once a day, and it's going to counter all of that. That's, That's not truthful. That's a good point. Folks, you're listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus. Um, your host, Jacobus Holloway, Val Anderson with us from Mineral Resources International, Inc. That is actually a, a, a great point that you bring because I know, for example, people who have a hard time staying asleep have learned to take magnesium right before they go to bed, and then they may take like 400 milligrams of magnesium but still wake up. That could be one of the issues that you just bring up, Val. I mean, taking too much too quickly, and then not really absorbing it and not finding the success. Exactly. Well, the number one negative complaint that comes about magnesium supplements is that it has a laxative effect. Yeah. Um, and some people actually look for that benefit. The laxative effect, is, or the laxative benefit, I should say, of magnesium is different than an absorption benefit. And by and large, when people take so much at one time that it's having a laxative effect, it's passing through you rather than being absorbed. Uh. If people can spread their absorption or their consumption throughout the day through what I term as lifestyle dosing, they're going to dramatically increase their benefits and results, just like that community up in North Dakota. They weren't taking a magnesium supplement that took care of all of their needs of magnesium. They weren't taking a selenium supplement that took care of all of their needs of magnesium and selenium. They were getting small doses of magnesium and selenium through the foods and beverages that they ate spread throughout the day. And that was enough to have dramatic impact on their health. Great point. Uh, I want to know more about oxide, uh, magnesium oxide, but we have a caller. Caller, good morning. Thanks for joining us. What is your name? I'm Roxana. Hey, Roxana. Good morning to you. (laughs) Good morning. I'm enjoying this. I'm kind of wondering now, maybe I missed it because I just tuned in, but uh, he's talking about, um, you know, like getting your uh, minerals and vitamins uh, in a more natural way. Could you tell us, um, those of us that live in the Bozeman area or the mountain areas, once the snow melts and the little leafy green things start sprouting, I know there that wild violets and dandelions and things like that are actually pretty good. You know, could you, could you um, verse us in some of those things? Just remind us what are good trail nibbles that would kind of supplement us naturally. Thank you, and I'll just oh. listen off off the phone. Thank you. Thank you, Roxana. Well, I have to admit that that's not fully my area of expertise. But I do know that plants that grow on the hillside that, is, that are not grown with modern farming practices are generally going to have higher mineral content than plants that are grown on the farm with that nitrogen, potassium, or nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium fertilizer added back again and again that, so that the soils become depleted over time. That you know the the farming practices today have depleted our foods of broad spectrum mineral nutrition. Um, I do know that wild crafted herbs can be very beneficial, and that a big part of that is the mineral nutrients that are in that. But the wild crafted herbs are not my area of expertise. Okay, well that's uh, still good, but uh, yeah, I, I think it is a combination of 
what the rain brings and what we have done to the soil and uh, and how long we grow these vegetables and plants, uh, you know, that we give them a chance to really mature so that we have all the nutrients in it. I think that is all important. But uh, Roxana, if that doesn't answer your call, by uh, by all means, give us another call back and, and verify what you were talking about. Uh, magnesium oxide. I, my understanding is the absorbability of magnesium oxide. Uh, it is very dense. It is very cheap but the absorbability is about uh, less than 5%. Is that something you have heard too? Do you agree with that, or do you have other information for us, Val? Well, so with both magnesium oxide and the calcium carbonate that was discussed earlier, in order for that to become absorbable, you have to have sufficient stomach acid to break it down. So for the magnesium oxide, the process that takes place is it will hit the digestive system. If you have sufficient stomach acid... The oxide will react with the hydrochloric acid, and the oxygen will be released, and that will, in the digestive system, become magnesium chloride. And magnesium chloride is a readily absorbable and utilizable form of magnesium within the body. But that being said, if you get a big dose of magnesium oxide all at once, you're probably not going to absorb that very well because there's only so much stomach acid available at that given time. Okay. If you, you probably could increase your magnesium oxide absorption by spreading it throughout the day, but once again, it's got to react with sufficient hydrochloric acid, and by and large, the people who are taking a magnesium supplement are the people that are a little bit older and are already starting to suffer the deficiency effects. As we age, our stomachs tend to produce less stomach acid, and so your body becomes less capable of breaking down either the calcium carbonate, which requires stomach acid to be um, broken down, or the magnesium oxide, um, the magnesium chloride, the magnesium sulfate, the sea source magnesium, they're much more absorbable forms of magnesium and utilizable forms of magnesium than the forms that your body has to have sufficient stomach acid. By the way, as well, in order to produce stomach acid, your body needs chloride. Uh-huh. which is part of the hydrochloric acid that becomes the acidity. And in fact, as people age, they don't get as much chloride in their diets as well. And so the body starts assimilating things less. Ah, that is really interesting. And that is why when we talked in the last half hour about bone spurs and heel spurs, my question for you was, I understand that hydrochloric acid will also help indeed with the absorption of uh, calcium. And now I understand it, it turns the chloride, turns calcium carbonate into a calcium chloride as well. Is that what we're talking about? I I believe that that's what's taking place with the calcium as well, because basically now the calcium carbonate, if you have too much acid, is actually used as an antacid. Magnesium oxide can actually be used as an antacid, but that's a different benefit than an assimilation benefit. Correct. And and for the majority of people as we age, as we hit our 40s and up, most people have a problem with stomach acid, enough stomach acid in general because of changing in diet in general. And that's why they often have a problem with, uh, with calcium carbonate taking that. They are suppressing the acid that they have, which is not really what you need. So that is definitely something we need to look into. So this is good information. I appreciate that. Now, I, I know you have a wide range of products yourself with Mineral Resources International. I see some of them that are electrolytes and some of them are uh, trace minerals, ionic trace minerals, when does somebody decide just to use 
electrolytes, which usually contains sodium and potassium, which you talk about you want to be careful with, and magnesium. Why would somebody take electrolytes and why don't we just put everything in a balanced mineral product, which is what you also offer? Well, now with sodium and potassium, for sodium in particular, we eat a lot of refined sodium in our diet. And so most people are getting more than enough sodium, so much so that the sodium is out of balance with the rest of the nutrients. And so most people are saying, well, I should back off on the sodium. Now, that being said, if you're an athlete who is sweating heavily and you're losing a lot of sodium, your need for sodium goes up. Mm. And so there are a number of of issues within the body where certain nutrient needs will increase dramatically. And the more you sweat, the more you need to replace sodium. And so for people who are out in the heat, which is not a problem in your area this morning, as I understand it's snowing there, (laughs) um, if if you're... But if you go to the sauna and you're going to sit in the sauna for half an hour, it's important to replace some electrolytes. If you're in Las Vegas and you're in the summer heat, it's important to replace electrolytes. If you're running a marathon, it's important to replace the balance of the electrolytes, the sodium, the potassium, and the magnesium in balance, and calcium to a lesser degree as well. Um, But the electrolytes, you need them in proper balance. So even looking at general cardiovascular health and general health, Your body needs sodium in the fluids outside of the cells. It needs potassium inside of the cell, and magnesium is essential for the cell pump that keeps the sodium out and the potassium in. Uh Sodium is actually an essential nutrient that has become bad for us. And you'll find people in our industry that say, oh, it's the form of sodium. And yeah, I guess if what they mean by form is it's in a refined pure sodium form, then they're kind of true, but it's not the fact that it's in a sodium chloride form that's the problem. It's the fact that we're eating an awful lot of sodium chloride and not enough potassium and magnesium for the sodium to function properly within the body. Sounds like we're going to have to come back to that question. Yeah, we have to come back to that. That is, uh, that's interesting. So sodium is outside the cell, potassium inside the cell, magnesium is necessary to regulate that balance, that activity. That is really something. So I, I, I'm still wondering if athletes would do good on an overall ionic mineral, trace mineral uh, compound instead of just focusing on the electrolytes. But we'll get more to that when we talk to Val Anderson, who is my guest today in Gesundheit with Jacobus. Stay tuned. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back to the last half hour of Gesundheit with Jacobus. Uh, we are talking to Val Anderson, who is with Mineral Resources International, Inc., and from Ogden, Utah, 800-731-7866, 800-731-7866, and extension 310. You can talk to the executive vice president yourself during the week, but he is also available when you go to mineralresourcesint.com then uh, you'll find a lot of information and research, uh, great, great stuff. And uh, he has really sent me a wonderful package of information that we will not be able to get through anyway today. And I'm looking forward to having Val on as a regular guest because he is giving us great information. We hope you're enjoying it as well. We have about uh, 20 minutes or so left. 
But uh, Val, we have a ton of stuff to talk about, which we won't get to all the way, but we're just enjoying those last 20 minutes with you. Thanks so much for spending your time with us this Sunday morning. Thank you for having me and, and allowing me the opportunity to spread the word about the importance of mineral nutrition to help save people some of the difficulties that happen with their health when deficiencies build up. Yeah, that's that's a great point, and uh, we're happy to do it every Sunday morning. We were talking about electrolytes uh, for athletes that you say is, is really important. Why uh, electrolytes um, uh, instead of just a good trace mineral or ionic mineral, trace mineral combination for, for athletes included. But So you say athletes use the electrolytes for those, uh, those sports events. Anybody else should use a good mineral combination balanced. Well, and in fact, our minerals, by and large, are all in ionic and electrolyte form. When people talk about electrolytes, most of the time they're just talking about sodium and potassium. But even with the major electrolytes, magnesium and calcium are also important. And then there are situational needs. The more someone sweats, the more sodium that they're going to need to replace. You'll hear a theme over and over again with me, which is balance, balance, balance. We need to introduce balanced mineral nutrition back into the diet to help eliminate some of these issues. The other issue is spread your consumption throughout the day rather than getting a giant dose all at once. Most of the products that are out there for electrolytes, especially the sports drinks that are out there, are way too high in refined sugars that are not very good for you. Right. And they, all of their focus is on sodium, and then they don't, have any they don't have any magnesium in there. And so in order for electrolytes to function properly, I think that the sodium should be less on the, or the balance should be less on the sodium, and it should also have the magnesium in there for proper balance and emphasis, even... Athletes, though, should be replacing electrolytes when they're sweating heavily, but then they should be on balanced mineral nutrition with their meal. So it's yeah. not that it should be one or the other, but if you're not sweating at all and you're eating a typical refined diet, which tends to be high in sodium, you should probably not, you probably don't need any kind of an electrolyte, which is going to be higher in the sodium. And so, yeah, for people that are out in the cold and they're, they're sitting indoors most of the time and they're not working out for a couple of hours at a time, they shouldn't necessarily be looking to use sodium as a supplement unless they're using balanced mineral nutrition on their food, which would have so, some sodium with it for the salty flavor and the rest of the mineral balanced with the sodium, which we do have some products along those lines that you can salt your food the Fortisalt in particular is designed so that you can salt your food with not just the sodium, but a full range of essential mineral salts. It provides a higher RDA level of magnesium and every essential trace mineral other than iron huh. than it does of the sodium. So it's that balanced mineral nutrition spread throughout the day. Now, you, you've mentioned way back in the first hour that uh, your family started with this business. Your father discovered uh, this, this work from Dr. Crane. And then uh, taking, uh, looking at live where you were living close to the Salt Lake or right at the Salt Lake, that the minerals in the Salt Lake is indeed only the same minerals as we find would find in the sea or in the ocean, except that they're eight to ten times more concentrated. Is that is that correct? Yes, it's about six to ten times more concentrated. Yeah, and our company does other things beyond just getting it from the Great Salt Lake 
to make sure that we're providing a clean and pure source of broad-spectrum mineral nutrition. We're the only company harvesting minerals on the Great Salt Lake, which has taken all of our minerals that we harvest from the Great Salt Lake through the FDA process to have them generally recognized as safe. Every mineral concentrate that we harvest from the Great Salt Lake, every harvest batch passes the heavy metal safety test for minerals from the U.S. Food Chemicals Codex. And we also do other purity testing to make sure that the product is clean and pure. We've been doing this for a very, very long time. Just because a product is coming from the Great Salt Lake doesn't necessarily mean that it's produced with the highest standards. Um, And it is also sun-dried, isn't it? Well, it goes through a solar evaporation process. The inland seawater goes through very little of the solar evaporation process. Um, Our Omnimen and Anderson's Concentrated Mineral Drops the Anderson's Concentrated Mineral Drops goes through approximately two years of solar evaporation, moving it from one pond to another pond where the the sodium and potassium crystallize out. So it sits on a bed of crystals, which I actually believe infuse the product with certain energetics, and it becomes more and more concentrated through an all-natural solar evaporation process. Every season of the year contributes to the end product oh, that we have. Yeah, of course, of course. And so we have a we have a very unique product with very high levels of testing and purity and and concentration. If people want to see our harvesting operation, you can go in on Google Earth and zoom in on the northwest arm of the Great Salt Lake. Zoom in on the far north tip of the northwest arm, and you'll see a very small. Um, mineral harvesting operation there. That's our operation. We're one of the smaller harvesting operations, but we're the highest quality huh. mineral harvesting operation on the Great Salt Lake. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. That makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, all the drying also through the season. So that's Google Earth, and then you go to the northwest tip of the northwest arm. Is that what you said? Well, you go to the northwest arm of the Great Salt Lake and zoom in on the northern, far northern tip of the northwest arm of the Great Salt Lake, um, and you'll see a little line running across the lake that you can use to actually zoom in. That line is a trench that we had to dig to be able to bring the minerals into the shoreline. Utah is going through a drought, and the shoreline moved out a bit from us. Um, But you can zoom in, and you can see exactly where we do our mineral harvesting. Right there on Google Earth. Wow, that's great stuff. We have actually three callers on hold, so we're going to go to caller number one. uh, Start talking. We'll let you know if you're on. (laughs) Is that me? That is you. Good morning. What is your name? Uh, Hi, I'm I'm Chris. Hi, Chris. Uh, And uh, thank you uh, for your program and to Val. The question in my mind is many of us aren't really going to uh, buy the product. So uh, in a more general sense, how do we do this getting our little getting our minerals uh, a little bit at a time it seems like we're always trying to figure out human nutrition we can do it with hogs and cattle and chickens and that sort of thing but this human nutrition is always uh, one one product competing against uh, the other and the consumer never really knows what the best method is or the tr- you know the truth of how to do it is well so so how do we do this so two things first of all i do think that with the current difficulties of mineral depletion in the food supply 
people do need to be using a mineral and trace mineral supplement. Or it's, it's very, very difficult to get all of the mineral nutrition that we need from the foods we eat. Now, that being said, a mineral supplement should not replace good food. We should be eating more green leafy vegetables, more fruits, less refined foods. Um, some meat is okay, but meat should not be the only thing that we're eating in our diet. Um, the more we can eat free-range foods and organic foods, that's going to help. But still, I think that we should be using mineral supplementation to top the diet off. Yes. And how then, do we get this this supplementation, which I'm doing, but I'm using the method which you said is probably not the best, get it all in bulk at one one time of day. Yeah. Uh, well, how do I do this? Uh, stretch it out. Do, you know, dissolve my uh, supplements and drink them during the day, or what? Dissolving the supplements. Most supplements are not designed to be spread throughout the day, which is uh-huh. a problem. We actually have learned this, and we've shifted our mode of what we're promoting. Um, even our mineral concentrate, we used to recommend a large dose. We're recommending that people use the Anderson's concentrated mineral drops today more as a nutritional spice where you add a little bit here to foods and beverages throughout the day, and it's in a liquid form, so it's easy to do that throughout the day. We also have another product which makes that lifestyle dosing very easy. It's a product called Fortisalt, which harnesses your cravings for sodium to use the sodium in your food as your mineral delivery system. You know, when people started to use iodized salt, which spread the consumption of iodine throughout the day, the goiter virtually disappeared. But it's just uh, iodized, you know, just the iodine with the sodium chloride. There's no real balance. With the Fortisalt, you're getting broad-spectrum, naturally occurring trace minerals, plus a significant RDA levels of the essential trace minerals balanced together in a mechanism that naturally spreads your consumption throughout the day. Hmm. Does that help, Chris? All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know exactly if Chris was saying, I, if I don't buy the product, uh, will I? Uh, what can I do? Or if he said, listen, I'm not going to buy a product, just tell me what to do. Two things about that. Number one, I know one of your products is less than 10 bucks. And uh, it is it it is it's it's very accessible, very easy to use, and I, the other products are really not that expensive. The minerals are not that expensive, but they're very effective. Uh, the uh, so that's number one. Number two is that if you are the center of your own universe, if you're the one who is responsible for yourself and for other people, why would you not sort of use something in your own body that has been clinically researched? that shows that we are deficient and that you could benefit from it, why would you not try something like that? doesn't mean you have to be on it for the rest of your life, but what if it actually helps you? Then I think that you could be taking responsibility for yourself. I mean, nobody else can do it for you. So uh, there are several ways we can look at yes or no taking supplements. I agree. It would be great if everything could come out of food. But we have talked a few weeks ago with Dr. Dan Carter about the existence of neurotoxins, about 1,100 neurotoxins that have entered our system over the last 30, 40 years, and it is it seems like it's ever-growing, and how this has such an effect on our body, on our health, on our psyche, on our neurotransmitters. So what can we do to change that? Can we change the neurotoxins? 
very well, difficult, but we can raise our neurotransmitters and we can add good minerals to our body to make our own system stronger to re- reject some of the effects of these neurotoxins. Yes, Val? We have actually entered what I would think of as a perfect storm for nutrition and health today, that there's a serious problem. Not only has our diet become dramatically depleted in nutrients, we also have excessive amounts of pollutants around us. And the way that the digestive system works is it will send out more active receptor sites when you're deficient to lock onto the available nutrients. And those, nu- those active receptor sites will lock onto nutrients throughout the day and bring them in, which is why you need to spread the absorption throughout the day. The toxins actually sneak in on the same absorption pathways as the essential nutrients. So if you're deficient, you have more bus, basically think of the body as a factory, and the body's sending out buses to pick up workers to come into the factory. If you're deficient, the body will send out more buses to pick up those workers. And, And the buses, by and large, will pick up more than one mineral. Calcium and magnesium ride in on the same bus. It's important to to get them in balance. The zinc and copper write it on the same bus. If you're deficient, the criminals, the toxins sneak in on the same bus seats that the workers should be riding in on. So what we have is lots of empty buses and not a lot of workers coming in and too many criminals sneaking into the factory. If we could spread our mineral and, and nutrition throughout the day so that you've got good amounts, those those workers fill up all the bus seats, they ride in in good balance, and they do the work throughout the day. They get absorbed rather than passing through. They do the job. That's the very essence of lifestyle dosing, which is a combination of eating good food and topping it off with good balanced mineral nutrition, using the mineral nutrition as a nutritive spice rather than a supplement that you just do once a day. Well, that's, that's a great concept and a good visualization. We have a couple more calls. Caller number one, you are on the air with Val Anderson. What is your name? How can we help you, please? This is John. Hey, John. Um, I uh, recently was uh, reading uh, on the Internet of something called the mineralization theory of aging. And uh, the basic uh, premise of this was that uh, the reason that uh, women live longer than men is uh, basically iron. Uh, Women, of course, during menstruation lose a lot of that extra iron, whereas men do not. Uh, This was the main uh, basic uh, premise of this theory. What does your uh, guest think of this? Well, I think that iron toxicity can be a problem in men, and that could be part of the issue. But I also believe that men experience an awful lot of stress through work and other things. And stress depletes the body of other essential nutrients. Magnesium is burned through the body due to stress. Zinc is also burned out of the body due to stress, and, and it passes through you. And so I think that, you know, men, um, type A personalities, where we kind of manufacture stress rather, you know, as a way to keep, to keep moving us forward, that stress depletes our body. I think that's one of the reasons why you see that a lot of doctors die at an earlier age yeah. than other people. Mm-hmm. Their lack of sleep, their their high levels of stress really depletes their body of mineral nutrition. And so I think there's something to what you're saying, but I don't think that it's just an iron issue. I think it's much more broad spread than just iron alone. Mm. 
Right. That's uh, that's kind of what uh, this this said also. It wasn't just iron, but iron was the main uh, culprit to the fact that, uh, uh, in general, men die uh, long before women do, and this is a, a considering the whole population. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up, John, and uh, a couple things. Uh, Val, I think in today's world, uh, I think women carry a lot of stress, too. Yes, that's true. And women are dying younger now, too. That's right, and I think uh, that uh, with women, uh, just the whole life, I think uh, we're all exposed to stresses, either being emotional or being an indeed because of toxicity in our environment that just bows down on us and uh, starts affecting, penetrating through the skin, through our membranes, etc., and causing all kinds of problems. On the other hand, I also understand, John, that uh, because we have such a hard time uh, getting rid of the iron that we may get in through the meat and some of the uh, some of the nutrients, that when you have too much iron, and that's why it's good to have a regular blood test done to see where your iron is, iron too much iron in your body could actually start oxidizing and when it starts oxidizing it affects different parts of the body including cholesterol which has when cholesterol starts to oxidize it can really cause heart disease and um, uh, since heart attacks are still a major part of dying I would say uh, in in men and in women now also, the the iron, we have to get rid of iron, either by donating blood to the Red Cross or by doing uh, what is called a therapeutic phlebotomy where you can actually have somebody, uh, where you go to a clinic and they can actually take your blood, you pay for it, but they get rid of that excess blood so that you get rid of the excess iron. So that is another possibility, but uh, it's, it's, it's a point well taken. Does that help you? Uh, yes, it does. Um, yeah, and I think also they they added that uh, men tend to eat uh, more meat uh, than women, or red meat especially. Yeah. And this this uh, of course would add to the iron problem. Correct. Well, and if you don't get rid of, of meat, it, yes. pro- a little bit of meat is probably okay, um, but we should get it in balance. Yes. And it's once again, if you have a good balance of essential nutrients. A, your body absorbs it better. A, your body utilizes it better. Another aspect, though, is your body is ba- much better able to get rid of excesses if you have a sufficient amount of broad-spectrum nutrition. When you run into deficiencies of particular nutrients, the body becomes much less able to get rid of excesses of other things. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call. Great point. Thank you. All right. Bye. Caller, you may be the last one for today. What is your name? What is your comment? Henry Kriegel. Hey, Henry. Hey, good morning. Henry. Great hey, to talk been, with you friend? again. It's been a long time. Yes, it has. It's wonderful to hear your voice. Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Minerals Research, Inc. Um, and Trace Minerals Products, a great family and a great bunch of products. Val, I love your interview. And obviously, if you come up to Bozeman, Montana, I'm sure Jacobus and I will be more than welcome to show you around town and and uh, keep up the good work and give, give my best to the family. Thank you so much. By the way, though, our family is no longer associated or affiliated with Trace Minerals Research. That's a separate company, and those products are no longer manufactured by us. And so that's just, just w- one point of, of interest. We were affiliated with that company for a very long time, but um, we're not anymore. Oh, that's a, that's a good point. And so who do you sell your bulk products to? I mean, where can people find Minerals Research Inc. products on the shelves? So our products are sold in Jacobus's store under the Health Salute Ions range, 
and also the Mineral Resources International is listed on the label as well as the manufacturer. But we have a number of products, the um, Fortisol, the Elite Electrolyte add-in, um, the Anderson's Concentrated Mineral Drops, which is the original formula, low-sodium, low-potassium sea mineral concentrate from Utah's Great Salt Lake. We also have a very affordable formula that's similar to that that's called Omnimen, which is quite a bit less expensive than the Anderson's Concentrated Mineral Drops. And the tableted formulas are also available under the Health Salute Ions range. Right, so let me ask you a question for those of us in, in this uh, world who are, who are high, you know, live a highly stressed lives and, and uh, take on multiple roles as provider, family man, parent, and so forth, and, and they get stressed out and they get acidic. Um, what would be a good formula that's uh, a foundational formula that's cost-effective that you would recommend? We have a wonderful stress formula that's a combination of herbs, vitamins, enzymes, and minerals, specifically targeting stress. It helps replenish, um, revitalize, and and replace those nutrients which are burned up during stress. So specifically for stress, and this is a take-as-needed product, we have the health or the stress health salute ions formula, which is an excellent formula. People notice results very, very quickly on that formula, and it's also rich in the magnesium, which is burned through during stress. Also has added zinc as well, well as we other got, nutrients. Henry, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Um, I will make sure that I get the line of uh, Val's product in the store, all the line. But Val, thanks so much for being with us today. Folks, we'll be back next week Sunday from 7 to 10. Talk to you then. Thank you so much.